We got people packing groceries for Orphan Grain Train today. And I, it goes all over the world, and it's, it's a, a good program, and, and it's good for our kids to do that. Amen? Let's stand up. We've got visitors today. Amen? My sister and brother-in-law here, some of you remember the Davenports. And then the Wanzers are here. Joyce's other, other kid. The younger one or the older one? Younger one, okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come in your presence this morning with thanksgiving and with expectancy in our hearts, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit, this morning to lead and guide us into the truth of the Father's Word. We thank you, Lord, where the Spirit of the living God is, there's liberty. And we thank you for that corporate anointing upon this people in Jesus' name. Amen. Filled. 
my hands praise you again and again so that I have is a hallelujah hallelujah and I know it's not much I'm nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah
Father, this morning we do rejoice in your presence, for in your presence is fullness of joy. We love you, our Lord and our Savior and our King, Jesus. We surrender all to you this morning, not our will, but your will be done in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We'll greet someone before you sit down. Greet you. Good to have you here. Oh, don't fall. Just a few quick announcements. Tuesday at 6 is Patriots United. Wednesday at 7 is our midweek service. And today from 4 to 7 is Ladies Fellowship. Um, Bring a dessert or come and eat dessert. We have some indoor activities. Um, We decided since it's cold we are going to have some chili and that will be provided. We haven't decided on the bonfire yet depending on the weather. But if we have the bonfire you may want to bring a lawn chair for that. So I would just encourage you to do that. If you have your Bibles, open to Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're going to start with verse 2, and I'm going to read all the way through verse 14. Realize this is the, New, the Old Testament, but the New Testament does not nullify the Old Testament. It just adds to it and makes it better. So this, what I'm going to read you, is the will of God for his people. And because of Jesus, we are his people. So this includes us. Starting in verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you as one and they will flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command a blessing on you in your storehouses in all which you have set your hand to do. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord is giving you. Just a quick thing there concerning your finances. It says the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses. You have to have storehouses before he can command the blessing on them. Plural. Have storehouses. Okay, we'll talk about that more in the next few weeks. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the people of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and and they shall be afraid of you. We shall not be afraid of them. They shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will be great will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so you, shall not turn, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods and serve them. This is the day of God's blessing. We are entering in to seeing God's blessing like we've never seen it before. So don't listen to all the garbage out there. Listen to what the Word of God has to say. If you have your tithes and offerings this morning, um, if I guess you have the envelopes behind you. If you have your tithes and offerings, the ushers will receive them this morning.
Amen. You know, it's all right to listen to the news once in a while, but don't camp out in front of the TV. I want you to know that, you know, we're, we're going through some things as a nation and, and all over the world, but it's all been prophesied in the Bible, so we should not be caught off guard. Amen. But listen to me. You don't need to be afraid. And uh, there are a lot of people out there in fear. And the sad thing is a lot of them are Christians. God's not given His people a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And so, you know, you have to remind yourself, you know, we win. Amen. Amen. We've been on a series for a long time on the anointing. Quite a few months. I don't know how much longer we're going to go. But uh, if I were to ask you what the anointing is, you won't have to answer. I would hope you could give me some kind of information by now. Amen. But let me read this, the purpose statement. Okay. That's good, right there. You're on the ball, dear. Our purpose is to gain understanding of the anointing. Now, now understand, the anointing is what? The person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't separate the anointing from that. Amen? And its purpose in the life of the believer. God has given His people the anointing of the Holy Spirit so they may be taught, led, and empowered to set the captives free. Amen. You know, it's not just the fivefold ministry gift that has the anointing. It's you too. You know, and you'll wonder why we have the anointing. There's a scripture in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, how God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God is with him. See, that should be spoken of you and I. You have the anointing. Say, I have the anointing. And the world needs the anointing. And, I, and I've told you this, and, and I keep telling you this, but there are people coming in the days ahead that need the anointing of God. They need the power of God. They need to know who the person is of the anointing, and that's the Holy Spirit. And it's not just the preacher that's going to lead them. It's not just the preacher that's going to teach them. It's not just the preacher that's going to pray for them. You are. Thank you for that weak amen. You are. And so you might as well prepare yourself and get ready for what's coming. Because the, the fivefold ministry was never intended to do everything. They are there to lead and to instruct and to be an example. But you are to go out, just like Jesus, with the anointing of God, doing good. Amen? Amen. Now, I want to go on uh, and talk about... Do you have that spiritual truth, please? There you go. I've had a book in my library for 25 years, and... I read it 25 years ago, and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God had me read it again. And, it, and it's so prophetic, and it's so good. Her name is Lori Wilkie. I don't know what happened to her. but She was very prophetic. But she says this, The pathway to a life of anointing in the Spirit is the pursuit of continual what? Hiddenness in the Lord. This hidden life in God means ultimate death, to soulish and fleshly motivations. It means doing what we do for no other reason than to please God and to obey His will. The source of all strength, significance, and spiritual power comes from a history of seeking God in the secret place. It is a personal, intimate relationship with the Almighty that imparts wisdom, character, and motivation to a special group of individuals, a hidden people. See, you're part of a special group, the hidden people. Amen. And so we've been talking about that. We said there's characteristics of the hidden ones. First thing is, they abide in the secret place. Read 
Psalm 91. In fact, you better be reading that in the days ahead. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen? Amen. Number two, they possess the anointing and spiritual authority because they accomplish their assignments without any special recognition. We're talking about hidden ones. You're part of the remnant army of God and you're a hidden one. Amen? And you need to recognize that. You possess the anointing and the spiritual authority. Now let me tell you something. In the days ahead, you must have revelation of who you are in Christ. You must have understanding of who you are. You're a child of the King. Amen. You have an anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. But it's important. Jesus said, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You need to know you have that authority. You need to know that you can tell the devil where to go. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And so you've got to cop an attitude in the days ahead. Some of you know, I know some of you personally, and you got an attitude. And I like people with attitudes. I like ornery people. My wife and I have always been drawn to characters. This church is full of them. Right, Bea? I'm not inferring that you're a character. But you know your authority. Amen? You've got to know who you are. And, and the Bible says, whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You have the keys. You have the authority. You can't just look to the preacher anymore. You're going to have to exert your authority. We also said, hidden ones walk in the Spirit and reject the world system. Their desire is to please God and not man. Their desire is to please God and not their flesh. That's important. We said hidden ones are servants. Any anointing that God gives is always dependent upon one's first being a servant. And you know something? You go to a church where serving is important. It's our mission statement. of people committed to serving and sharing Jesus Christ. So hidden ones are servants. Then hidden ones are people of prayer. Any anointing that God gives is always dependent upon how much time is spent in your prayer closet. Prayer and intercession is a hidden ministry. Nobody knows what you're doing. You're in your prayer closet. But you don't care if anybody knows because that's where you want to be. That's where you want to abide. And without that prayer life, the anointing is not going to flow. It's that simple. We said hidden ones, you'll like this one, hidden ones forgive instantly. Hidden ones forgive instantly and are gracious people. A life of hiddenness in God causes our relationships to flourish because we're gracious and forgiving. People struggle in relationships, then learn how to forgive. Learn how to be gracious. Those walking in forgiveness will be walking in the power of the anointing. Look at Matthew 9. We're going to go on. I'll give you a few more examples of characteristics of hidden ones. The next one's compassion. Say compassion. In Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of compassion. In fact, Five miracles in his ministries was the result of his compassion. It says in verse 35, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing some sickness. No, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was what? Moved with compassion for them because they were weary, scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Look at over at uh, Matthew 14 and verse 13. Matthew 14 and verse 13. 
This is the feeding of the 5,000. It says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was what? Moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Look at another chapter over. Look at Matthew 15. Look at verse 32. It's the feeding of the 4,000. It says, Jesus called His disciples to Himself and said, I have what? Compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with Me three days and have nothing to eat, and I do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. So do you see, there's three examples of compassion. How many of you can think back and remember times that you saw something And your heart was stirred. See, that's compassion. I'll never forget um, when we first moved here to Norfolk. It it wasn't like it is now. It was a lot darker. If you've ever been in the city a long time, and this is the early 80s, there was a lot of oppression, a lot of things going on. And I'll never forget this. I had a coat. And I... I've, how many of you remember the? Some of you won't the T, the TV series McLeod. I uh, know you're not old enough. He had this coat, and and I had a coat like it, and it was it was a brown winter coat, and it was really fleece, it really was sharp. And I I love that coat. And I'll never forget this. Going downtown. And it was a winter time, and there was a man, a homeless guy, out on Norfolk Avenue with no coat. And I knew I had to give him my coat. And I stopped the car, got out, and approached him, took my coat off, and it scared him. And I gave him the coat. What, what was that? That's an example of compassion. Now, I'm going to give you a definition of compassion But I'm going to give you um, a biological example. Compassion, if you look in the Greek, and this is in the Greek, so don't say I made this up. This is in the Greek. The Greek, you know, you go back and look and how they described it. It's, It's the same thing. How many of you know you have bowels? How many of you know your bowels have to move? How many of you know have had its situations? And I could tell you my own, but I'm not going to. I'll spare you the gory details. I just said, I was telling somebody today I got this new belt, and it gets stuck. And I can't get it there released. But my nightmare is I have to move my bowels. And there was a time when I got this, and I was seriously thinking of getting a knife. It was that close. (laughs) Now, some of you are laughing because you understand. When you got to go, thank you, you older, mature ones. Some of you young ones, it's the same thing. But see, now listen, movement of the bowels produces action. And that's what the Greeks regarded the bowels as the place where strong and powerful emotions originate. The Hebrews regarded the word as the place where tender mercies, feelings of affection, compassion, sympathy, and pity originated. So, say, say, say this with me. Compassion will stir you to action. Some of you are thinking, you can remember when your heart was so moved. You know, we we can't watch this. You see these commercials with these dogs and these animals that are abused and emaciated? I can't watch that. And every time I do, I look at her and she'll say, turn it off! But I want to go to the pound and bring them all home. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Compassion will stir you to act. Let me read to you in my Bible. It says, compassion it defines it. It says, it's the truest, truest compassion is only found in the nature of God. Because only God knows the full depth of an individual's pain need, or suffering. Jesus is seen in the essence of His feeling human weaknesses, in Hebrews 4.15, fully sensing the ravaged condition of human brokenness. Christ's likeness calls us to learn the heart of Jesus. It's a heart of compassion, a depth of sensitivity that can be worked in us through the Holy Spirit, reconditioning our hearts to be able to sense the pain of human bondage and to weep with those who weep. And folks, there's, there's days coming where you're going to be weeping. And that's a good thing because you're going to be moved with compassion. Amen? His tears, it says, Jesus' tears over the city of Jerusalem, His tears at the tomb of Lazarus, reveal more than either a sense of rejection by the people of one city or a grief over the death of a personal friend. His compassion brought tears for the hardness of hearts that were blinded by their sin and for the tragedy of all humanity's vulnerability to death. Love sees beyond the immediate and the personal and compassionately relates to the lost, the hurting, the needy, the distressed. It moves more and more into the dimension of discipleship that discovers the compassion of Christ flowing through a person to care for and serve others. You have the heart of Jesus. If you're a believer, a born-again believer, you have His heart. And the thing that you and I have to guard against is our heart becoming hard. Because once your heart is hardened, it becomes insensitive. And you're not moved by need. Usually you're just concerned about yourself. So if you find yourself, if you can't be stirred and moved to reach out to somebody, you have a heart issue. Amen? We've got to keep our heart tender and sensitive. Would you agree with that? Amen. Lori Wilkie says, Compassion comes from a life of hidden fellowship and communion with the Father. When we experience His love and forgiveness, we can demonstrate it to others. How many have experienced His love, His forgiveness. The degree to which we've received and acknowledged God's forgiveness toward ourselves is the degree to which we can give and minister love to others. There's people out there that don't love themselves. Don't ever forget that. They don't, they don't feel they're worthy to be loved. And that's where that we come into play. That's it's so important that we reach out to people like that. Give them some grace. Amen. It says, when we dwell in the throne room of His grace, our lives will reflect His love and grace in relationship to others. That is when the anointing can flow through us in purity and power. Now, let me read to you. Look at 1 John 4. 1 John chapter 4. First John 4 and verse 20. And you know this passage of Scripture well. First John 4:20. Okay, it says, "If someone says, "I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Dwell on that for a while. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen?" And this commandment we have from Him, that he who loves God must what? Love his brother also. How many of you love God? Let me see. I'm going to raise your hands. Well, you, you have a commandment to love your brother and sister in Christ too. Amen. Hidden ones have spent time with God getting to know Him. Hidden ones have spent what? Time 
getting to know Him. And experiencing His love so they can love their brothers. Loving and knowing God through relationship. Now listen to this statement she said. Loving and knowing God through relationship is the only way we can be anointed to love others. Let me say it once more. Loving and knowing God through relationship is the only way we can be anointed to love others. And see, that's what hidden ones do. They spend time with God. They spend time fellowshipping with Him daily. They worship. They pray. They're in His Word. They know Him. They love Him. So it's just a natural byproduct. They're going to love their brothers and sisters too. They're going to love the world. Now, I'm going to finish this morning, and I'm going to read from this book. Where's my book? Oh, God. I forgot my book. Oh, well. That's all right. That's all right. I, I, I can wing it. Hidden ones possess... Now, listen. Character that has been refined in the wilderness. Hidden ones possess a character that has been refined in the wilderness. Now, let me ask you, how many have ever spent time in the wilderness? What's the wilderness place? It might be a place of lack. It might be a place of loneliness. It might be a place where you, where are you, God? I'm waiting on you. We've all been there. But God the Father can only use people that have been through the wilderness. The nation of Israel spent time in the what? Went, a mount, went around the mountain for 40 years. That was their fault. But I, I don't care. Wherever you're at, whatever you're called to do. Ever been in the wilderness? God can only use people effectively that have been through the wilderness. Tough times. How many have been through tough times? How many have been through the wilderness? Well, then you're a candidate to be able to help these that are coming. Because they're not going to understand that principle. And they haven't developed the godly character on the inside. If you've been through the wilderness, you've developed godly character. You have the fruit of the Spirit, not just the, the gifts of the Spirit, but you have fruit on the inside that has been developed. It's a character thing. And the problem today in the American church is there's little character. It's all a show. But that's not Christianity. Christianity gets down and gets dirty with other people. Willing to get their hands dirty. Your character is refined in the wilderness. And you know what? My wife and I have been through the wilderness. We've qualified. You've been through the wilderness. You're qualified. Character is so important. Your integrity. Your word. If you say you're going to do something... Do it. Amen. Don't promise things that you can't follow through with. It's all on the inside. It starts here. Listen, let me say this. And this is pretty harsh. But I've already talked about poop today. So, You're, you're going to have to realize in the days ahead, you're going to have to make some concessions. You're going to have to empty yourself 
of self. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves if you're a born-again believer, born-again spiritual believer, and you're going to have to work. There's things on the horizon, people. Are you listening to me? There's things coming. And I don't say this to instill fear. I was just stirred this morning when I was praying, talking, and I I believe there's a future um, series coming on developing a preparatory mindset, preparing for the days ahead. It starts here. And everything I'm telling you on Sunday mornings is trying to get you ready for what's coming. Getting ready to roll your sleeves up and get to work. Not being afraid. You know how many people, what were you telling me on, you got on, online and you were listening to or observing people's remarks. What were they all talking about? Terrorist cells. and Listen, there are terrorist cells. There are. But you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? We just need to pray, bind and loose. And we're going to be doing a lot of that in the days ahead. But you're going, to, you're going to have to realize your wilderness experience. Maybe somebody's beeping. Who is that? Okay, all right. I forgot about that. Say, I've been through the wilderness. I'm ready. Amen? Now, look at Jeremiah 9.23. And we'll end here. Jeremiah 9.23 So hidden ones possess a character that's been refined in the wilderness. This is a good way to end, folks. Hidden ones do things whose way? God's way. Hidden ones will do things God's way. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, in verse 23, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he what? Understands and knows me. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. So, we, we should not glory in ourselves, but only in Him. And that's what hidden ones will do. Amen? Now, what have you learned about hidden ones? Talk to me. If you took notes, you got it made. If you don't, just sit there and act like you know. You spend time in prayer. Compassion, we learned that today. Forgiveness. Oh, look, she's helping you out. I haven't heard the one. Servanthood. So, these are all... Four different characteristics we need to develop. Let's stand our feet this morning. Say, I'm a hidden one. In the days ahead, you and I are going to have to spend more and more time in the secret place. Abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. I thank You, Holy Spirit, that You reveal to every one of these hidden ones more revelation, knowledge, and understanding in the days ahead of who they are in Christ. Lord, let their hearts be stirred to spend more time with You, more than ever before. And Lord, let all of us get our eyes off of our own selves, our own needs, our own problems, our own issues, and open our eyes, Spirit of grace, to see a lost and dying world that needs Jesus. Thank You, Father. These are a people committed to serving 
and sharing Jesus Christ. These are people, signs, wonders, and miracles follow them, Father. So, Father, we're here this morning and we say, Lord, not our will, but Your will be done in my life, my family, and my church. Lord, use us. Help us, Spirit of grace, prepare for what's coming so that we might be effective servants and witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. In His name we pray, Amen. Is there anyone here today you